0: WhiteHot Magazine, one of the world's leading platforms and institutions for contemporary art. Visit us online at WhiteHotMagazine.com and follow us on social media. I had the pleasure and the honor of talking to Robin K. Williams, the curator of Daniel Johnston's first museum survey at the Contemporary Austin. I talked to her about the mural, the Daniel Johnston mural, and some of his history and some of my experiences with him. And, uh, it was just a pleasure having this conversation about this important artist. So enjoy the following on the White Hot Magazine Art World Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Becker. We're proud to be one of the top 20 contemporary art podcasts in the world. So um, I had mentioned before that uh, I had met Daniel Johnston Uh, years ago, but I wanted to ask you about the exhibition and the mural project at the museum Um, that that opened already. um, But what was the experience like of um, getting the mural uh, to be a reality and um, curating the exhibition?
1: Well, the so the mural we just unveiled this this weekend on Saturday, which was Daniel's birthday, January 22nd. And um, it's a giant mural on the exterior of our downtown museum, which is right in the heart of downtown Austin. Um, it's like a 500-foot mural. It's amazing. It has um, characters and details of his artwork that are pulled all from materials that we do have on view and in, inside in the, mu- in the exhibition. And uh, well, so I guess that's two questions. One is the process mm-hmm. of the mural together and then the exhibition, and, for the mural itself it was um a challenge just for the um getting the city permitting to be honest uh mm-hmm. there's a lot of construction going on right now in austin and so there's a big skyrise project happening at the end of our block and so there were per- permitting issues just to kind of get all of that ironed out but Once um, all of that went through, finally, uh, the process of installing the mural itself was very smooth. Um, Our exhibition's production director, his name is Steve Griffin, oversaw the project. He's just an absolute professional and he um, worked with a team called Showboat Mural Works that painted uh, the mural. They did an amazing job. Um, How they did it, they projected images um, at nighttime. They projected them onto the, building and kind of trace the lines. And then during the daytime, they did the the painting and they actually sort of taped to the wall, um, printouts of Daniel's drawings that they were reproducing. So they were really fantastic at actually like really sensitively um, representing the quality of his like line and coloring. So it's really, it's really beautiful. And then the exhibition, well that opened back in September actually on the anniversary of his death date, September 11th.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And um, so that was the two-year anniversary of his death. Um, And yeah, the process of putting the exhibition together was several months of working really most closely with Daniel's family, uh, his estate, which is managed by his brother, Dick Johnston. And he has a team working with him, which includes um, Donnie Velaz, who works with him down in Katy. The the estate is based in Katy, Texas, outside of Houston. And Donnie is the administrator and does all kinds of things for the estate. And Lee Foster, who is uh, the managing partner of Electric Lady Studios in Manhattan, and he works as, uh, he oversees basically the visual art side of Daniel's estate and worked as a curatorial advisor on this project. So um, curatorial team in Austin, uh, we worked with the estate. We went through all of the images in in Daniel's archive, which is incredibly vast. And um, had tons and tons of conversations, you know, with Lee and with his Mm -hmm. family and with other people who knew Daniel really well during his life. So including um, his former manager, Jeff Tardikoff and uh, his really good friends, um, the musician Kathy McCarty, and artist Dave Thornberry, who is one of Daniel's best friends from back in his West Virginia high school days, um, several other musicians and friends who knew him, um, did about, uh, interviews with 30 to 40 people. Um, Mm -hmm. so just trying to understand, um, more about Daniel than that kind of like gets beneath the mythology of Daniel Johnston, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, a very thick mythology to get, to get beneath. Um, yeah. So, and then, um, yeah, I guess that that's something about the process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you um first encounter his work, like separate of wanting to curate something at the museum?
1: So um in the I'm I'm originally I'm from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I first got to know his work really in the way I think a lot of people from Austin do, which is by the mural. Um so I would have been in the nineties, you know, I was familiar with the mural and with his music in the way that a lot of kind of like alternative teenagers at the time got to know it by seeing Kurt Cobain wear the t-shirt by, you know, the Yolo Tingo collaborations and that kind of thing. So I knew his music and I knew the mural. And then um, later uh, in the, uh, you know, 2010s, I guess, Um, I was teaching I was I'm you know I was a graduate student at UT and teaching art history classes and um, I used to teach like start the first class of every semester of my art history classes with like a mini lesson about the mural Mm -hmm. Um, I would start by asking them just like who knows this image and everybody did and who knows why it's there because now, beginning in 2013, that building, which was originally a record store called Sound Exchange, now it's a Thai restaurant called Thai How Are You? And anyway, it's gone through lots of changes. And so they all knew the mural and didn't there would maybe be like one in a class of 60 students who knew anything about Daniel Johnston, and why the mural was there. Um, so we would do this lesson. So I, I kind of started diving into his, his work kind of through teaching it in that context. So yeah, the, the Hi How Are You mural is... Um, For those who don't aren't familiar with it, it's a painting that of his character, Jeremiah the Innocent. And it was actually originally the image was um, the cover of his 1983 album. Hi, how are you? The unfinished album. And the mural was commissioned in 1993 by employees of the record store, Sound Exchange. They had a big white wall and they wanted to do some kind of mural. And they were trying to figure out what to do with it. And then one day Daniel wandered in there as he often did. He was a regular and he loved to go digging there. And they said, ah, Daniel. And so they asked him to do the mural and he agreed. They paid him a hundred bucks and all the records he could carry out of the store. And it took him, they said about an hour maybe to paint the mural. So that was back in 93. And um, the record store closed in 2003. And at the time I I was a college student here at UT. In the early two thousands, and um, so yeah, so the mural it means something to me. Um, I have a connection to it, you know, just by being a young person in Austin and going to the record store. You know, I bought Daniel's tapes from Sound Exchange in the nineties, and um, so I used to teach the mural in part because the students, you know, they would walk by it every day, and um, it's right across. The mural is right across the street from UT Austin, and so all students are familiar with the mural and you know most people in austin for that matter um and so i would say you know what is this and they'd say it's the keep austin weird frog because the keep austin weird like small business campaign kind of like adopted the uh, the image as well it has become like an emblem really of austin of its you know the way it thinks of itself as being kind of friendly and weird and this outsider hub or whatever and um So you see reproductions of the mural images on T-shirts, for example, um, just as like a symbol of Austin that Mm. doesn't even name Daniel Johnson as an artist at this point. And so Mm -hmm. the record store closed so long ago and this image has become this icon in a way that is, um, you know, many people don't know who the artist is. Mm -hmm. So it was important to me in teaching to kind of unpack that. And, you know, the lesson was also about like the transmission of images and the importance of context and understanding all the history and the meaning Mm -hmm. and how quickly that can fade and so in the exhibition too um we have a wallpaper size reproduction of the mural um from it's an image taken in 1994 so it actually shows the exterior of that building when it was still the record store it looks very different now Mm -hmm. and um so the the photograph was taken by a, a guy who used to work there his name's Mark Fagan. He used to work at the record store.
0: Mm-hmm. So take people into the exhibition a little bit. Like, yeah. do you have some of his music yep. in the show? Maybe like, a, I, ha- I haven't been to the show obviously, but it, there's maybe like a viewing room or. or
1: yeah. Yeah. There's a, so the exhibition, um, it presents his visual art and his music together in the same, in the same context, important to see how he. Um, developed and you know sustained his vision across mediums um, in both his music and his art through his whole life. Um, so yeah, we do have his music and there's um, a video room that has a, a a real about 50 minutes long of, sort of rare archival interviews and rehearsal footage and um, music videos and and some performance footage. So. And that spans from about 86 through the end of his life. Um, But the exhibition actually, when you enter, it does begin with that, hi, how are you reproduction I was mentioning as kind of the hook. And then it has some archival materials to tell the history of that. And then there's a wall that is a kind of visual introduction to the main characters of Daniel's universe. you know, including Casper and Jeremiah, um, Vile Corrupt, uh, the Beast, uh, the eternal battle between Joe the Boxer and Vile Corrupt, uh, his beloved muse Laurie, um, and there's an image of himself drawing at the center. So that is just kind of a way to ground people in the central dynamics and characters of the exhibition. And then from there, it really moves moves chronologically from his early early years. The earliest materials in the exhibition are from his high school. Mm. school years and then it goes all the way through his later life so we have um nearly 400 objects in the exhibition more than 200 drawings on the walls and then an array of archival materials um from photographs handmade flyers um some newspaper um clippings that kind of illuminate the history of his career in art and music and handmade cassette tapes you know it's part of the, the the attraction to Daniel is these, um, the handmade cassettes that he used to give to people. Um, Mm. We have a collection of 12 of those that um, several of them were actually used as the masters for the stress records version of his tapes, the the distributed versions of his tapes. But Mm. they're they're framed and mounted on the wall so that you can see. his handwriting and the hand-drawn illustrations on the on both sides—they're really special. Um, and then we also have his piano from his house. Oh, yeah, the, his um, beautiful weathered white piano and all of the toys and things he had on it. Um, and then behind that is a wallpaper-sized reproduction of a portrait of him sitting at the piano, made by the photographer Jung Kim, who lives in Brooklyn, and she has a wonderful um, documentary project where she she photographed Daniel from about 2008 through 2012. So it's kind of like a a stage set with the photograph and then his Mm -hmm. piano and all the things that he had on the piano just as it was at his house at the time of his death. So there's that. We also have some other things from his house, some comic books and toys. His house is just filled with toys. Mm -hmm things like
0: that. So So you, you went to his house as part of your research. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, And was he, from what I remember, he was set up in the basement more so? Um,
1: No, that was okay. So back in West Virginia, he had the basement level of his parents' home and that was his bedroom, but also basically like his multidisciplinary art studio. Um, Mm. And then you know, he moved to Austin in '84, um, back to West Virginia in '87, and then moved with his family to Waller, Texas, which is outside of Houston. Um, in '92, he lived in his parents' house, and so had the kind of garage space mm-hmm. there for a number of years. And then, in the mid 2000s, they built him a house next door to theirs, so right. he has a house now.
0: I, I met him at backstage at one of his performances when he was in New York.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't. I, I didn't go to his. Uh, didn't go to his house but yeah. i remember i remember him mm-hmm. and uh somebody brought him a large, a giant stack of comic books oh. that he was really happy to receive
1: <laughs> yes um and that.
0: then since i met him i got way more involved in looking at his art and listening to his music and and um i I've, I've been a a fan of his you've done um, other shows obviously does is this kind of outside of what you usually curate
1: oh this is um well yes in a sense um it but it is very like much in line with what I love and what I really love to curate so it's um it's interdisciplinary it's bridging visual art and music it's dealing with archives and um cultural history as much as art history um and uh yeah so it's actually like it's been one of my all-time favorite projects to organize. Um, I did do, mm-hmm. uh, I have done some similar projects that kind of span all of those. Mm-hmm. All of those like things. give
0: me an example of another show that you curated that.
1: It was similar. Um, well, so, no,
0: not necessarily similar, but just like maybe even contrasting.
1: Mm, okay, well.
0: Or are some of your other shows similar to this kind of interest?
1: I think another one that has similarities um, is one that I did at MOCAD, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Detroit. It was a show that I organized with uh, curator Jens Hoffman, and it's called um, Sonic Rebellion, Music as Resistance. And it was organized in the year 2017, which was the 50 year anniversary of the Detroit rebellion or riots. People call it different things in 1967. Um, So that was a, a show that is reflecting on how music and visual art can propel social change. And it was a collection of artworks by contemporary artists from all over the world, but also um, archival materials related to Detroit's um, music and social resistance movements Mm -hmm. uh, from the last 50 years. Um, So for that show, I did tons of archival research and, um, and working with just different members of the D- Detroit community who are informed about its history and have, you know, just these amazing collections of of cultural and material history to pull that together. So mm. um, yeah, th- that was another sort of beloved project of mine. And mm. um, I guess something, you know, that we're working on now at the Contemporary Austin is, um, A solo exhibition with the artist Tarek Atui, who is a sound artist and composer and installation artist. He's based in Tarek, originally from Beirut, and um, he works with instrument makers from around the world to create these assemblages. Uh, For this exhibition, he he calls them tools for listening, so it's really about um, kind of challenging the idea that sound is only for hearing and and you know, exploring how people can access sound in other ways, including by sight or touch through vibration, or exploring the ways that sound resonates through different kinds of materials—wood, metal, water—yeah. Mm. Um, so that's a really cool project, and um, we're getting started with that actually next week. We have three musicians who are experimental and improv- improvisational musicians from Austin doing um, residencies in the museum space with materials that Trek provides. And then they'll be working solo or with other music mm. collaborators and also with members of different community organizations here in Austin to like experiment mm. with these materials. And then Trek will um, use that kind of collaborative feedback to guide the way that he um, creates new installation components from those same materials. And so that's, that's another um, really right. exciting
0: that interests me because I also play the saxophone aside from p- making painting,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: which is part of the reason why I'm kind of fascinated by Daniel Johnston and his visual art and music and his whole interest. Have a great afternoon and, and thanks for taking the time talking about uh, this, what I consider to be a really important show. And it's been, it's been an honor to talk to you.
1: Thank you. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time.
0: Have an excellent day.
1: You too.